This is another episode of On the Grid by Z Prime. Love your energy. Hello, everybody. This is Z Prime On the Grid. I am Dylan Lockwood. Joining me is my co-host Joyce Stooley. Joyce, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Dylan. How are you? I'm doing all right, Uh, especially now that we're going to be talking with some folks at Ion Associates uh, about suppliers and the future of the energy industry, as we always like to do. We got Marcus Jenkins, who is a manufacturer sales representative. Marcus, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, uh, doing all right. Appreciate you, uh, you two having me out here. And we also have, and we also have Marvin Govinden, who is an FAE in, for Ion in Mexico. Marvin, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on. So uh, let's start baseline with uh, some with a pulse check in technology. How is technology shifting within the market? What are some of the use cases that are gaining traction, and how has this impacted demand? I think this is. Uh... I'll kind of kick it off a little bit and throw it over to Marvin. He's uh, he's our technical guru on a lot of this kind of stuff and, and does the research into it. I think the easy way is to say is, is it's expanding everywhere. We've got so much technology going throughout all the city and the infrastructure. Uh, it's a lot of things you never even thought of and some of the things you might have seen uh, you know, popping up, everything from 5G that we're hearing a lot about to autonomous vehicles. Uh, those are some of the easier things, but Marvin, I, I think, right, we're seeing this this absolutely everywhere uh, in the city. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. Yes, it's it's everywhere. It's um, we're seeing um, new growth in well, obviously in smart cities. I guess that's a gen- generic term for everything. So we have smart cities, smart retail, smart transportation, and what does that mean? We're we're putting in devices and monitoring into lots of um, Lots of different applications. So um, we've seen a emergency in in automotive. I think that there's big names involved, but there's also other names coming up where they're looking at the the cluster the cluster areas of the vehicles. These things where you saw mechanical devices before, the speedometers and, and, and other gauges, are now industrial displays. You know, robust industrial displays, and they have a apart from the graphic display which you're seeing. We're seeing other features in the car that we see tracking, we see smart cabin applications where we're looking for sleep detection. Uh, if, if someone's falling asleep at the wheel, uh, blind spot um, assistance. So uh, usually with the rear view mirrors, you might have blind spots. So we're seeing potentially, you know, uh, computer assisted um, detection of objects and, and animals and children walking out in front of vehicles. So that's to assist the drivers. Apart from the traditional assisted steering and assisted braking, which is sort of kicking in um, to, to help people not be in accidents. So we're, we're seeing a lot of technology in, in the vehicle space. We're seeing technology in, in lighting. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen obviously in the last what, 12 years where LED lighting has emerged. And we're seeing now more intelligence going into that lighting as well. So maybe sensors being incorporated into that. Maybe other features. I've seen uh, luminaires with, with cameras on them, uh, so taking taking a more of a video surveillance uh, type application with it, uh, and, and all of this is what, what is it generating? Sensor data and, and big data, big data for processing. 
So uh, we're seeing uh, the emergence of all these intelligent applications and we have all the knock-on that comes with that, which is connectivity, uh, you know, networking all of these devices together and getting useful data out of that that can be processed and analyzed. You know, and there are many other sections. Um, I mean, we've we've seen financial technology as well. Uh, that's that's emerging and uh, putting more algorithms um, in, into the marketplace. So we're seeing a, a lot of spaces, right, Marcus? I mean, a lot of um, new technologies. Yeah, and that you know, I I kind of throw out there. We're seeing technologies where we've never seen it before. Uh, everything from you know asset tracking and asset monitoring is getting really huge right now. The the example I use is to kind of show how how big this is getting is uh, one of our big customers uh, is you know they make dump trucks and they want to be able to track where their trucks are at any given time. What's the status? Uh, have they blown a tire? Uh, are they running low on gas? You know we bring up lighting. You know, you've got all kinds of energy conservation if there's no one around or any motion detected. Uh, are they dimming the lights outside, inside? You're seeing smart buildings. You're seeing, you know, anytime that your buildings can uh, can email you is, is interesting. The, the other example I even use is I, I got a new coffee mug with Bluetooth. So I had to reboot my coffee mug. So this this thing is everywhere. We're seeing just technology uh, springing up everywhere in the smart cities, in these infrastructures, for all kinds of reasons. Well, I imagine that with all of these, you know, devices and stuff that's coming online and the ability to monitor all of these things that security and privacy are really top of mind, you know, what are the implications of this level of monitoring and connectivity? Well, you know, we're seeing all kinds of this stuff from from ransomware to cybersecurity. Uh, yeah, you're seeing privacy issues of, you know, do I have to worry about face recognition? Do I have to worry about, you know, my presence is being detected? You know, Marvin, we're seeing all this kind of stuff. You're you're having to track yeah. some of this too, huh? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so as you said, uh, the, the big selling point is, okay, let's look for criminals, right? Um, this this is process everyone's face and find a criminal so everyone is on board for that yeah sure we'll be safer but then when it comes down to minor minor offenses for you know, maybe you litter by accident maybe you've thrown something down on the street and you get a fine and then people aren't okay with that and then suddenly you've been tracked and you have a an extra bit, uh, bill to pay so yeah there's sort of a fine line there um, for every small thing you do for every place you visit, you can be tracked, basically. Especially well, not to mention the accuracy of that, right? Like the yes. accuracy of facial yeah. recognition technology and profiling and all of the uh, ethical and equity implications that go along with it. Yes. Well, and, yeah, you see, and you see other things too, where this, this stuff is still, it's not a hundred percent and there's still some stigma of what is getting better. People are still scared of you. You saw people were hacking, routers in homes and businesses via the smart light switch or via the ring. And a lot of that stuff has been fixed. There's a lot of security there. But even recently, we see municipalities, we're seeing water treatment plants uh, fall under attack of you know, either some cybersecurity or ransomware. Uh, so that's a that's a huge thing I think is getting tackled with a lot of our vendors um, where I mean, Marvin, would you even say too that it's it's a little less scary or or as scary? I mean, um, well, pe people are excited to implement the technology, which is good 
for us and and then um the implications sort of uh, are thought about later on so that's when it gets scary you start thinking wait this can be abused very easily um and, and maybe the standards aren't in place the discussions haven't been had not only at a national level but maybe at a local level you know we need to have those discussions as well yeah and you you kind of have to ask who who's getting this information what are they doing with it is it reactive um if someone's got a some kind of cybersecurity or issues like that who's who's got control of of taking care of that is there a uh, a system in place at the city at the government level, is there another party who's watching it? So for every attack, there's got to be additional security coming on. Um, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a hairy deal to deal with. Most definitely. Um, I think that from the city perspective, that a lot of them are forming some kind of agreements and data sharing policies that they're working with vendors to figure out exactly who's responsible for what. So hopefully some of that's going to get mitigated in the process. What are some of the challenges in um, delivering devices outside of the, um, outside of the, you know, obvious, uh, privacy and securities concerns. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a fun time. I, uh, you know, we, we talk about everything is trying to get smarter. Everything is getting technology built in it. Um, so we're, we're adding a lot of the benefits of the technology we have at our disposal now to a lot of things. But I think as we're watching this happen, we're also in, inheriting all the stumbling blocks from all the different um, areas, right? We're, we're inheriting the issues with lighting, uh, with dump trucks, with uh, anything, security, everything that we're getting into. We're seeing a lot of the same hurdles uh, coming on. I, you know, I can tell you, uh, I can tell you all kinds of immediate things. I think you know, Marvin, from a from a greater standpoint, you see a lot of the stuff, how this is going to impact the smart cities. I see a lot of the granular stuff. You're seeing big stuff. Yes. One of the things I've seen that you mentioned, uh, you know, we, we work on projects where we maybe we use a computer, a gateway, and we're doing some intelligent function, we're tracking, and we're generating lots of data. So initially, you could say the idea was just put this all in the cloud, all this data, and process it there. But there's a lot of cost of transmission and a lot of data is being generated. And that's brought us to the edge where we say, you know what, let's process that locally, minimize that data, and only we're going to send that only important information to the cloud or to whoever's monitoring. So all of that happened at the same time. It didn't happen. We didn't think about all that straight away. We thought about it maybe after it's been implemented, you know what, maybe this isn't the best way to do this. So that's come, um, you know, that's sort of come at the same time. And we've inherited those, those teething problems. But I'd say now it's the last couple of years, we've got better. And we've sort of, you know, for every new customer, what we're saying is, yeah, think about this. Think about your carrier. Think about the data you're sending. And think about what you're generating and, and all those storage costs and processing costs associated with, with that. So we, we sort of inherited it, promoted it, and reissued it. Uh, over time, haven't we? <laughs> well, and Marvin, I was thinking too, like the example on this as we were getting ready for this, you know, Austin just got a uh, brand new soccer team and they put a huge stadium right here in North Austin. Looks awesome. Everyone's talking about the team and what's it mean and all this and the economy. I was sitting there looking the whole time going, how much cable 
are they having to run just for the communication? Forget the, the big screens and everything. You know a stadium brand new like that, there's got to be all kinds of cell service and discussions and lines, right? Like we're all wireless, but we still have wires, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of infrastructure. When you make a new project, there's a lot of um, – you, you incorporate lots of new technologies. And, and there's probably a lot more extra costs, which sort of they need to be thought about at some point because you finish a project and then maybe they're going to get a higher bill than they expected. Maybe they didn't do the energy calculation correctly. Maybe there was extra cabling that was required, maybe a backup system, especially if you have a wireless system. Maybe you don't want just a single, a single system. You need a backup in case of a failure. So it might have to be a dual system. And sort of that's where we help people. We sort of say, okay, you've thought about using a, maybe a mesh network or uh, for your communication, why don't we have a, a backup system, a power line communication system or something else just in case of that, uh, of the unforeseen failure, you know? So we sort of help to define that at, at certain points during a project cycle, right? Yeah, and we, you know, on top of that, more uniquely to this, this time, coming out of, uh, a, a, a pandemic, as I'm, I'm sure a couple of people have heard about. Uh, we're, we're coming into a lot of new challenges uh, into 2021 that we're seeing. It's it's a unique time where a lot of a lot of factors are getting kicked in at the chip level, all the way up to the board level for a lot of uh, supply coming in. So aside from the traditional, you know, just the infrastructure of, of building up the technology into it. We're, we're seeing a time right now where you know, we've got a couple of uh, semiconductor manufacturers overseas uh, have run into either a fire at one of their plants. Uh, so that's impacting some things on a very critical chip level. And we're not even entirely sure how we track that impact yet because these things are so modular now. You know, we're trying to break things down to almost the die level of the impact. Um, you know, you see stuff like that. We still have tariff issues and restrictions. And one of the things I don't think a lot of people understand, and I'm not divulging anything here that's not common uh, common information, is a lot of semiconductors are, are fabulous by nature, which means they don't make their own dye. They don't make their own chips. They kind of spec that out to a lot of people. And there's really only two or three major chip manufacturers right now. And these guys they're seeing their own hurdles uh, from a larger scale. Uh, I'll use uh, an example if I can. There's there's a company called TSMC. They do a lot of the work for a lot of the chip manufacturers. Well, right now we're having a, uh, I think it's a drought uh, over in their areas, the worst drought they've seen in Taiwan in over 50 years. Well, to make chips, you need a lot of water. In a drought, you don't want a lot of water going to make chips. So we're seeing those kind of constraints on the very front end happening. Uh, between the fires, between that, uh, we're also seeing, uh, I think, uh, the, the Ever Given uh, that happened in the Suez Canal. You saw that sucker turn sideways. We, uh, you were having hundreds of, of other cargo ships backed up on that. Personally, I was using the example on that one. If you've ever seen Austin Powers, where he's trying to turn that cart in the, that's kind of what it felt like uh, watching that poor thing. So we, but you watch those little things that took two weeks to get out. I don't know if they've ever caught up. So everything is kind of falling in line like that. Uh, even here locally with, with the ice storms Texas had, we had a couple of semiconductor manufacturers 
slow to boot back up because they couldn't get people. We're running in a place right now as well between 5G and automotive coming out of the pandemic. We're really excited to see there's a lot of demand. The problem is we may be seeing too much. So there's lead time issues. Uh, there's supply issues. Again, this is nothing that that no one would would not tell you about. Uh, if you called me as an Ion Associates person, I'd tell you all this stuff one on one. There's there's a lot of uh, unique issues, and and they're good, right? It's because we do have a lot of activity, but that is putting a constraint on the supply chain side. So that's those are kind of the main things we're seeing right now as our problems hurdles. There's a, I imagine that it's just really hard to, <laughs> it's just really hard to get all the things you need um, because of how the pandemic has imp impacted um, supply chains. Have, have, have you, uh, have you noticed in, as things start to, I, I hesitate to say, I hesitate to say get better because of how like um, yeah. how cold water has been getting thrown on that in the news lately, but like as things I guess o open up in uh, the U.S. and in Europe, at least. Um, have you noticed that those issues uh, changing changing yeah. in any fundamental way? Have you seen Have you seen that get, uh, getting better, either just naturally or through implemented solutions? Well, you know, it's it's funny, yeah. And to keep it to keep it neutral into the uh, uh, to is it getting better or not? Just the fact that it happened. Uh, 2020 was so unique that we were, you know, again, a lot of us were locked down, but we were still working. Uh, I, I use the joke here in sales. We were, we were doing three days worth of work every day because of the lack of transit time uh, and, and the lack of, you, know, you could do a video call and, and an email instead of doing one meeting. So we, we saw the pandemic. It was a lot of activity. We got to see a lot of people continue forward and do stuff, but, but COVID really, Put a question mark in our technology uh, market overall. Are, are people building? Are you having less production because you have to have social distancing? Do you have lines shut down? Uh, it was it was kind of all over the map because so much of this was globally done. You've got Philippines, Taiwan, Vietnam, U.S., everyone with a different standard. And we're, we're still trying to figure that out for the most part on, on what is the impact. Is it you know, is it that COVID, and again, we still got a COVID impact, whether you say the issues are better or not, we, we aren't 100% to where we were before we knew about it. In China to the US, there's still an impact and it will affect production. Some people were sent home off the line and we don't know how long that takes them to get back. Uh, I used an example of 2009, uh, we had something similar like this where Factories would shut lines down for a while and they would send workers home. You know, it took a week to shut the line down, but to bring the people back, to set the line back up would take months. So I think we're, we're still going to see some of that issues where there's an impact. And the important thing, too, is how this starts progressing is it starts stacking. So if I, you know, I'm running out of resin, we don't have a resin for some of the connectors we don't have some of the crystals to put in the modules, to put on the board, to put in the computer, to put in the rack. Things start backing up on the on the lead times. So it's that's going to be the interesting thing to see us do is start finding a way to have all these things ready at the same time. The other thing I want to throw out that COVID did, it created a little bit of a newer market into this city infrastructure. 
uh, Marvin, you were talking about it as well, is there was there becomes this common good, common health uh, technology we're seeing as well. And there's a lot more focus on it distracting some of our normal builds. Yes, we saw um, right at the beginning, we saw the usual everyone was, was making masks, um, just a face mask, just as a temporary you know, fix. But then we saw companies starting to say, well, especially lighting companies, well, we can we can make uh, LED disinfection lamps using UV LEDs, which uh, a lot of manufacturers have, but maybe that we they will use just the specialist um, uh, operating room type applications in hospitals uh, to disinfect the environment. And now people were saying, well, well, we can actually build these for for warehouses, for shopping centers. Obviously, when people aren't around, because UV uh, UV wavelength type C um, can actually blindness right damages the retina so uh, obviously with precautions in place uh, but people were looking at disinfection lamps we've know we, we know a lot of companies who have built those their prototypes uh, some of them are rolling them out some people want to build sort of drones and robots and we've seen a few of these uh, starting to emerge where it, uh, after hours these robots go around the warehouses mm -hmm. disinfecting the environment so we saw this new technology coming out as well, right? And I think the demand for the LEDs basically used up everything, right, that was out there. So it just overnight that became a, a, high, a high demand product. And we're, we're even seeing along those same lines, like people got very interested in temperature. Um, but you can't, you know, how much time is spent with these little kind of off the shelf thermostat, you know, these little things where you're just trying to get to person after person after person. And they're not always that accurate. Again, they're made to be cheap and quick uh, around the house. And we're seeing a lot of people put in uh, ways to detect temperature on people as they walk through something almost like a metal detector and, and be much more accurate. And again, report that data back up. Uh, so it's it's created a lot more distraction into, like Marvin's saying, if, if you're making a lot of the UVC LEDs, you're not going to be making quite as much that would go out into uh, to street lighting or, or, you know, building lighting and so forth. So it's it's not only had an impact on the line, COVID's had an impact on, on kind of where our industry is focusing some manufacturing. So with all of these delays, you know, as a result of a variety of reasons, right, and definitely impacted by the pandemic, you know, how do we better support smart city and smart infrastructure projects during this time? You know, that's that's an interesting thing. I, I I always go back that communication is the is the key. And and being a sales guy, uh, we you know, we we live and die by our ability to have relationships and have that communication. The, the Internet's awesome. The Web's great. But it, it just a lot of this stuff doesn't substitute having the ability to have some of that communication with us. And, you know, we can talk more on the hurdle on that one. But the big thing is, you know, we don't really show off how well we have supply chain in the uh, technology and electronics market. Suppliers try to take care of some of their stuff, but, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of, of arms from distributors all the way through you know, some resellers. You know, I, again, a great example on this is when you see uh, you don't, being May the 4th, I have to uh, have to have my reference to my, my Star Wars. Uh, you, you don't go to Hasbro or any of those guys to buy your figures. You go to Target, you go to Walmart. And when you see something like this and you predict that and you work with those guys, they have the product on the shelf. And we 
we need to have a better communication between those franchised channels to get the product rather than just wait and kind of reactive and kind of anticipate it's just going to be there. We've got to have that open communication and understanding where the product is because without those kind of forecasts, we run into this very cyclical situation where we're got long lead times or, you know, we don't, God forbid we run into excess inventory and we're not building again. That's probably the biggest thing. So how do how do I support uh, support this and and so we we find out about projects and and normally through maybe system integrators maybe larger companies sometimes and they promote their knowledge on how to implement certain projects and and they could be smart yeah you know, smart projects and they could be very good projects on our side um, we work more with the suppliers as as well as as as, as the end user. So we, we, we sift through the technologies and say, this would be a really good fit. Maybe it's an emerging technology, maybe it's a new technology. But uh, in the terms of communication, we like to communicate those ideas. It could be through webinars, it could be uh, with, a, with a call, a conference call, uh, now online. Uh, but we like to get in front of those people and maybe we'll, we'll present a top level view of, of what we can pro provide, which could be a better solution. It, it could be, for example, for, for fintech companies, Maybe a data accelerated card, which is much faster for, for big data processing. But maybe the, the person who's making the selection doesn't realize we have this new, newer technology. So we need to get in front of these people early. And it's not only just selling a product, it's like how we can support you and help you with the planning, uh, help you to avoid surprises where you've built up an infrastructure for a project and you, you didn't plan for the processing and the cost of uh, the extra infrastructure you need, energy costs. We try to fill in those gaps so it's planned for at an early stage. So we need to get yeah. as high as we can in front of the right people, right, Marcus? It's yeah, and that you know that's that's kind of a I think a bigger issue that overarches for us in our role here. You know, we've got people like Marvin and myself that have done this for years in a more traditional technology market where you had. B2B sales, we knew the process. There's a flow and a culture. And in fact, a lot of the same people sometimes as you go around, I've been in this uh, this market 15 or so years. I know some of those people. I know how the companies do business. It's slight variances. Uh, I would, you know, speaking for the, for the, uh, the culture of the technology sales culture as a whole, which is, you know, I don't want to overstep it too much, but I, I would generally say, we don't really understand the process of whenever you're doing any kind of infrastructure and IoT in a smart city environment. Uh, I think that probably even changes city to city, municipalities. How do they do that? Um, I think is it that they have subcontractors? Do they have city council? Do they have forums? We're kind of in the dark a little bit. And, you know, I go back to communication is the key. I think we just have to learn how to have that communication. And so when you say, you know, what, what do we need to do in this time? We need to learn how to, how to contact each other. Uh, I, I think if, if it was a position where we knew how someone could say, we have a, a water treatment plant or, or a electric plant, we need to make sure that we don't get hacked or have ransomware. And they know to call Marvin, you know, how much time would we save 
on the back end for him to be able to suggest things that a lot of these people have probably never seen. Uh, you know, God love them. A lot of these people are probably in the inverse where they've they've designed things at their level for so many years. They don't know all the fantastic new NIC cards and computers and different connectivity models that exist out there until they know about it. And, and we don't know how to find them all the time. So I'd say that's probably one of the bigger things. Yeah. So, I mean, are you suggesting then that there needs to be a new model uh, for collaboration across the supply chain? Absolutely. I uh, I mean, for the most part, there needs to be a way for us to get in front of each other. The I think one of the things COVID has done for us is given us ease to have this communication that feels less intrusive, right? To be able to find these people and do a virtual call feels kind of quasi relationship building. And it's so much easier to do three or four of those sitting here rather than I got to go to this building and this building. We can manage it all here. It's also a little harder to get that first start. So I think that's where we find people who can help us create some of that integration. Are there project managers, project leaders? That would be ideal. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely consultation. I mean, I've been on product uh, product development uh, cycles, which have been very new. I, I was involved right at the beginning of, of uh, LED Luminaire, um, like emergence. And um, I was literally sat in a room where no one understood. The people authorizing the project, they un didn't understand the benefits of switching to LEDs, how we converted from sodium vapor to LED technology. So it's... Um, you know, it was a sort of a sermon every single meeting, a sermon on why they should be doing it. Eventually, that was, it happened. Then we, we saw standards, we saw certifications coming in, and it's commonplace now. And it's the same thing. Sometimes we're looking at new technologies. It's not developed yet. It's just an idea, and it, you're not wrong. You can make any idea, you can make anything, put anything on the table, and you just discuss what we can do. And... It's something I don't know. I go to my counterparts, I go to my colleagues, I go to my supporting field applications engineers with the suppliers, and we discuss it further. Then we come back with a new proposal. And during this sort of consultation phase, we can come up with something innovative and something really new. So it's, that has to be maybe at that level, maybe at a, a higher level with, with other people in, in, in the chain. And, you know, you say is there there should be a new model. I think there there should be. And, and that's kind of where our role is, is is that that, that go between that that liaison, the, the smart guys between the technology. Marvin, of course, being the smart guy no, uh, between that technology that's emerging that, again, a lot of people may go to the website and go, this is what I know. We have access to things years ahead from our suppliers and and those end customers and those end users. And I just, I think the, there's still a couple of missing pieces to all this, but I think the answer is that anyone in a smart city sector, anyone that has the goal of putting technology in needs to find that local rep resource contract guy, uh, whoever, who understands both sides of the market. And we, we need to help cultivate some of those people. Uh, not entirely sure how we do that, um, but I think that's that's the solution. That's where you're going to see a lot more of this. Let's integrate our cities now with the newest technology rather than lag it behind because of that's all we know. And, and there'll always be teething problems. I mean, with any technology, you're always going to have a, a deployment 
uh, testing and maybe updates. So to, to sort of get those issues out in front, sort of think about them before. Uh, if, if you work with in four different projects which are similar, you sort of tend, we tend to take the know-how from everything we've learned and we just make sure the same errors aren't committed. We try to consult as much as we can as part of the process. And that helps a lot with, uh, with deployments. And it's a it's an education piece too as well. I you know we talk the security and the you know the personal use of data. I, I bet there's still some outdated uh, ideas of how secure or unsecure things are. We need to get better at putting out education there. At, you know, in, in a traditional model, I think we assume everyone knows this stuff is is common knowledge, and, and it's not. And we only because we're sitting in this particular culture, we assume it is. We need to get better at teaching some of these uh, these smart city or infrastructure uh, uh, groups some of the basics like this. Um, you know, if somebody wants to simply just get a computer or get a, a system, we need to learn how to teach them the differences between the industrial grade computers and the speeds and you know how you can do all this kind of stuff. And so I, I think that's the thing, too, is we need to move from a little bit of the tradition of selling uh, and, and get a little more interested in the education uh, of doing this stuff. Do you think the culture of suppliers needs to shift alongside rising expectations of cities? I mean, for the most part, this is this is a market segment that is a lot of the suppliers are are witnessing. Uh, they're seeing it. You know, you see a few of these suppliers. You drop down their website, Smart City. Uh, kind of integration is on there. Uh, but again, they, they, they work, again, I'm speaking generally for a lot of these suppliers, they work from the technology they know to put it in the sector they know could use it. And I think there, there has to be a shift in the middle uh, between then the smart cities or anyone doing any kind of uh, infrastructure into a city, know what they want the technology to do. Uh, and then they try to figure out the technology to make it do that. So I think the suppliers have to be able to, again, the education goes both ways, to understand what city leaders want to do in this. Why do we want more data? Why do we want this? Is it to make them safer? Is it to make it more predictive? We need suppliers to understand that uh, to make sure, because otherwise we're going to run into a build it and they will come kind of mentality. And we've done so well, again, with the B2B business what we know uh, is primarily is our business. We really understand how a lot of this business segment is moving. We've been educated and know how to get it. So I, I think we, we need to have the education on both sides, get the suppliers to, to know where the cities and where the infrastructure wants to go. Yes, I think um, if I could compliment, yeah, there's, there's definitely knowing, knowing, knowing a lot more about that project cycle as well. I mean, uh, a smart city project could be maybe a two, three year project and yeah. maybe the player thinks they're going to sell something in one month's time. And it probably won't right. be in one month's time, probably in a year's time, but it will be good volume <laughs> and yeah. it'll be a good, good uh, amount of business. So they need to understand what the big picture is as well, right? So. And, you know, one of the things, a lot of suppliers out there want to not just to make the money and, and grow and have high volume. And that's obviously a significant piece, but a lot of these suppliers want to be a part of the innovation. 
they've got the technology and they're able to contribute into a lot of the safety, a lot of the help into the city. And you'll see a lot of this promotion. But again, like Marvin says, man, it'd be nice to know that that roadmap of what it looks like. Thanks for that, Marcus. Thanks for that, Marvin. I um, want to thank you both for being on today, uh, talking about this sort of shifting um, market and the technology that's uh, in some ways leading the way and in some ways uh, keeping up. So uh, yeah, just thanks for thanks for joining us today, fellas. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. And Joyce, thanks, thanks. for th Joyce, thanks for being on as well. Uh, always appreciate having your um, your your smart city wisdom in in here. Always a pleasure. Talks. And for our audience, you can find our research in media at cprime.com. You can find us on social media at DY Lockwood, at JE Dooley, at cprime underscore research. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time.